Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Let's read chapter 9, and I won't get into the depth of everything because of time, but I'm going to get into enough of it. All right, chapter 9, Rejoice not, O Israel, exult not like the peoples, for you have played the whore, forsaking your God. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all threshing floors. Threshing floor and wine vats shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fell them. They shall not remain in the land of the Lord, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. They shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord, and their sacrifices shall not please him. It shall be like mourner's bread to them. All who eat of it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be for their hunger only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. What will you do in the day of the appointed festival, in the day of the feast of the Lord? For behold, they are going away from destruction, but Egypt shall gather them, Memphis shall bury them, nettles shall possess their precious things of silver, thorns shall be in their tents. The days of punishment have come, the days of recompense have come. Israel shall know it, the prophet is a fool, the man of the spirit is mad because of your great iniquity and great hatred. The prophet is the watchman of Ephraim with my God, yet a fowler's snare is on all his ways and hatred in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel like the first fruit on the fig tree in its season. First season, I saw your fathers. But they came to Baal, Peor, Peor, and consecrated themselves to the thing of shame and became detestable to the thing they loved. Ephraim's glory shall fly away like a bird, no birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Even if they bring up children, I will bereave them till none is left. Woe to them when I depart from them. Ephraim, as I have seen, was like a young palm planted in a meadow, but Ephraim must lead his children out to slaughter. Give them, O Lord, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. Every evil of theirs is in Gilgal. There I began to hate them. Because of the wickedness of their deeds, I will drive them out of my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebels. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. Even though they give birth, I will put their beloved children to death. My God will reject them because they have not listened to him. They shall be wanderers among the nations. And if you're battling depression, don't read this too much. Lord, bless your word to our hearts. We pray this once again. Amen. The key to this passage of Scripture and why I entitled it, When God Backs Out, is this last part of verse 12. It says, Woe to them when I depart from them. Now you have to understand, when you read the story of Israel, you understand that they had a thriving relationship with God. Things started out well. God was blessing. His presence was there in a powerful way. And he was really involved in the life of Israel. 
And that's why they even rose to glory and prominence in the first place. It wasn't their own doing. It was the Lord's doing. But then they decided at one point they didn't need God anymore in their life. And when they decided that, they turned their back on God and their sin had reached, if you will, a tipping point where God's judgment had fallen on them. And that's why I find it encouraging in a way that God is no respecter of persons. If we see how he deals with his own people, and they're meant to be lessons for us even today, according to 1 Corinthians 10, we can read how Israel related to God and how God related to Israel. And God's deepest desire, once again, is to bless his people. And sometimes when we put up our hands and we say, I don't want God in my life, I don't want God here, then you have to understand sometimes judgment will fall, the disciplinary hand of God in your life, so he can bring you back to him. And I have seen this over and over again in my pastoral ministry. I could list names of people where this happened to. Did they like the disciplinary hand of God? No, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, according to Hebrews 12, but in due season it produces a crop of righteousness, and they're thankful for that. They're thankful for that. God does not leave his people alone. But in this passage of Scripture, when I was reading through the chapter, this is the verse that jumped out to me. Woe to them when I depart from them. Woe to them when I depart from them. Now, two things need to be understood right off the bat. Number one, God is omnipresent. That when it speaks of God departing from them, he doesn't go somewhere into hiding or he doesn't move into another territory of the universe. God is omnipresent. When it speaks of God departing from them, it speaks of him present in a very different way than they knew him before, primarily withholding the blessings of of God. He will withhold his blessings on his people. Secondly, people have been blind to the judgments of God through history, even believers. They look at cycles in a nation or good times and bad times in a nation, they would say that everything's mechanical. They're kind of like the people in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 4, says, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, now watch this, All things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And that's their attitude. All things just continue on. And they never see God's hand in the rise and fall of nations. Now, our country, so you know, because especially the young people, you've been lied to in your college classes when they tell you that our country was not built on Judeo-Christian values. When they tell you things that the Bible had no place in our culture, they're lying to you. In fact, I remember a time if you were going to testify in court, you would have to put your hand on the Bible and raise your hand and say that I swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. There was that point. The Bible was our first primary reading source for learning how to read in this country. Kids were taught to read from the scriptures. That book was not just the holy book. It was their learning book for reading. And so when we look at the nation of the United States, when we look at our country, and we look at the history of it, and we say, my goodness, 
This country had risen to material prosperity and military might so quickly, so quickly in such a short period of time, and there was no question that many people would say that was God, that there was only one way that this nation could have ever risen to prosperity and a world power in the time that it did, because we're still relatively a young country, and yet we're a world power. And so if we acknowledge that our country was built on Judeo-Christian values, then we have to acknowledge the minute, and we acknowledge that God's blessed the country, that we have to acknowledge that the minute we push God out of our lives, the minute we push God out of our government, the minute we push God out of our schools, we have to understand that judgment is going to come. That you can say, I don't want God in my life, but know this, the blessings of God are going to leave too. And people that have not really seen this, and Christian believers have to see this, that God is quickly departing from the United States. He has pulled his hand back, and I believe it started with 911. I believe at 911, the hedge of protection was lowered. And that these planes were able to fly into a World Trade Center. And I remember saying shortly after 911 to our congregation that we need to repent and turn to the Lord because God is trying to get our attention. And so when we look at chapter 9, and I'm reading this, I'm thinking of all of this that how, you know, God blessed Israel and how God blessed the United States. And I look at, at even how prosperous we are and were in the past. And I think of these things, and, and I know where it comes from, your money. When you go to the store and you, you pull out your money and you say, you know, you're buying stuff at the grocery store, in God we trust. You know, we know this stuff to be true, but I look at chapter 9 and I think, man, there are so many parallels to God's working with Israel as there are in our nation right now, if we were really built on Judeo-Christian values, if really God was central in our society at one point, and we've now thrown him off to the side, we said we don't need God anymore, then you have to understand God is going to depart, and he's going to take his blessings with him. Now, I've got two points in this sermon, that's all, and a bunch of sub-points. But I've got two points in this sermon. The one is kind of a downer. The one is kind of a downer, and the other one that I'm going to find out of this passage is kind of an upper. So I want you to hang in there until the end, and I'm not going to cover everything like I was originally attending, only because of time, and we got to culminate with communion. But I think you're going to grab the gist of this passage as I did too. The first point is, when God departs, so do his blessings. That's obvious. That's obvious. When God says, woe to them when I depart, there you're going to see the loss of blessings in the life of Israel. And I want you to try and f figure out if you can connect any dots whatsoever to what's happening in our own world today. Because I want you to see how God blesses a country and I want you to see the losses of those blessings when God begins to depart. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is it's going to be the loss of material prosperity. Now look at verse 1. He says, Rejoice not, O Israel. Exult not like the peoples. 
For you have played the whore, forsaking your God. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all threshing floors. So he begins this passage by telling them not to rejoice. Now when you look at that, the most Bible students will tell you that they believe that Hosea delivered this sermon during one of the feast days of Israel. In other words, that they were celebrating, they were happy, the feast days were a joyous occasion, many of them. And most of them believe that it's Sukkot here, the, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles, where they recognize God's provisions for them even through the wilderness, in their wilderness wanderings. And it was also a celebration of the crops that were coming in. So Israel would celebrate this every year. They still celebrate this feast. It's in the fall. They're giving thanks to God for the harvest. It's kind of like if the farmers here had a bumper crop and they had a great crop and everything else. They're thanking God for him blessing their crops. And here they're rejoicing and God's saying, wait a minute, don't rejoice. Don't rejoice. You've got nothing to rejoice at because I'm going to tell you sin only lasts for a season. And then you're going to pay the price for it. So he opens up this way. And this is what the sermon was delivered in the context. That is, they're going out and they're celebrating and they're partying and they're celebrating this feast. That they're thanking God for the harvest, but their lives are all messed up. And God's going to bring judgment shortly. Now watch this. The first thing is the loss of material prosperity. Look at verse 2. Threshing floor and wine vat shall not feed them. And the new wine shall not fail them. The threshing floor and the wine vat is where the harvest would come to. We've seen wine vats in Israel. They're made out of stone and everything. And they date back a couple thousand years. And they'll bring the grapes there. And that's where they make the wine. There's these stone vats where they crush the grapes and everything else. And the new wine is made there. And the threshing floor is where they would bring the wheat and, and the grain harvest. And they would thresh it out and they would bring it in. And God's saying, it ain't going to happen. God's saying, you're counting on a crop? I'm going to cut that crop down, is what he says. Now, we have to understand that God has the ability to do that. In Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, when the people departed from building the house of the Lord, they no longer kept God as a priority. They went ahead and they started to live their own lives. They started building their own panel houses, it says. Now, listen to this. Haggai 1 Three to six, then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? In other words, man, you're building everything for your own. All your money is going to your own use, your own stuff. And he says, while this house lies in ruins. In other words, they were supposed to build the temple. It's kind of like, you know, when we become a believer, we realize the importance of giving because all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute, God's the one who blessed me. God's the one who gave me the job. And every time I tithe, and every time I give to the work of the Lord, I'm recognizing that everything comes from him. But God says, wait a minute, you're now spending it all on yourselves. Could care less. This house lies in ruins. He says, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Haggai says a few times in that short book in three chapters, consider your ways. God calls his people to sit down and think about it. I want you to think about it for a minute. Consider your ways. You have sown much. In other words, you planted, should have got a big crop, and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages 
does so to put them into a bag with holes. Holes in your pocket. And you're, you're probably thinking, what has that got to do with me? Really? Have you seen the inflation rate lately? Have you seen the gas prices lately? In fact, there's some people in Los Angeles who can't afford to drive to work anymore. Their savings are being depleted right before their very eyes because inflation is at an all-time high. For over four decades, we haven't seen an inflation rate like this. And we're like, well, let's put new policies into play. Wait a minute. Maybe God has something to do with this. Maybe God has something to do with this. And so when we say, God, get out of my life, when we tell God to back up, the loss of material prosperity is going to happen. Not only that, but we're going to see the loss of national security. Look at verse 3. They shall not remain in the land of the Lord, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt. Now, remember, Cameron brought this up last week. When Egypt's brought up here, it's going to be Assyria coming in. He says that, and they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. That Egypt was reminding them, the reason God brings that up, is that's where they came out of slavery. That's where they came out of bondage. God's bringing up Egypt. Do you remember, every time you had the Passover, there's this reminder of God delivering you from Egypt. And they're going back into bondage, only this time it's going to be Assyria, and they were a rough group. And by the way, that's where the Samaritans came from. When the Assyrians came in and they hauled Israel off, they planted their own people, and they intermarried with Jewish people, and they were known as the Samaritans. So in the Jews' eyes, they were half-breeds, and they treated them miserably, but that's how the Samaritans came about. So all of God's ways, everything they knew, you're going to eat unclean food in Assyria. In other words, this is going to be a culture very different than yours. I'm not going to be there. And you're not going to have your dietary laws. You're not going to have your worship. You're not going to have all of this. National security goes down. I'm telling you, the Assyrians came in. And we see this happening, but nobody realizes this in our own country. The Heritage Foundation put out a scholarly report and it was an article in 2018, and it was entitled The Looming National Security Crisis, Young Americans Are Unable to Serve in the Military. That was the title of the article. And the main point they were bringing out is that, set, listen to this one, 71% of young Americans between the ages of 17 and 24 are unable to serve in the U.S. military. The article that was based on the input of military said that even more than planes, ships, and tanks, the military depends on ready and willing American volunteers to protect this nation. In a recent panel discussion on this looming crisis, Army Major General Malcolm Frost, commander of the Army's initial military training command, said, I would argue that the next existential threat we have is the inability of our man in the military. And a group of retired U.S. generals and admirals, the article went on to say, formed a nonprofit group to draw attention to this growing problem. Listen to this. In their report titled, Ready, Willing, and Unable to Serve, they reported that the causes of this situation are inadequate education, criminality, and obesity. And listen to what they said. It went on to say, unchecked, the combination of these three conditions will continue to decrease the number of young adults to serve in the United States military. 
of our young people, 17 to 24, are unfit to serve in the military. And whatever your take is on, I'm tired of the country gaslighting people, whatever your take is on the military, they're needed because there are enemies out there. And they don't like America. They hate the West. They can't stand the West. Number one, because we proclaim to be a Christian nation. And we've got all kinds of enemies out there. And it isn't just situation there for the military. It's also the border crisis. The border crisis right now is so unhinged, it's unbelievable. Hundreds of thousands of people are pouring in across the border. And you know what they're doing? Many of them are bringing fentanyl. And that's why you're seeing the overdose of fentanyl cases in this country skyrocket. Not rise, but skyrocket. A guy who sits on the New Creations board who owns his own trucking company said, Walter, man, they had to use semis back in Boston. They had to use semi-reefers because the morgues were so full. They were stacking up bodies from fentanyl overdoses. But national security, all God's got to do is back up. All God's got to do is back up. Not only that, I must move on. The loss of spiritual liberty. Their freedom in worshiping God. Look at verse 4. They shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord, and their sacrifices shall not please Him. It shall be like mourner's bread to them. All who eat of it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be for their hungry only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. Now notice three things there. Their worship is rejected by the Lord. One, it's not going to please them. It says that in verse 4. And their sacrifices shall not please them. It will not praise him. Look at what it says. It shall be like mourners' bread to them. It isn't the house of the bread. They're going to eat it mourning. Mourners' bread was even defiled bread in Deuteronomy. It was defiled. You could not use it for the things of the Lord. And then thirdly, it will not purify them. It says, all who eat of it shall be defiled. That's what their worship is when God rejects it. And then... Their freedom to be worship is going to be totally removed from them. It begins with God rejecting their worship, and it continues on to them not even having the ability to worship. Look what it says in verse 5 and 6. What will you do on the day of the appointed festival and on the day of the feast of the Lord? For behold, they are going away from destruction, but Egypt shall gather them. Memphis shall bury them. Memphis was the capital of Egypt where the tombs and pyramids were. They were known for tombs and pyramids. Nettles shall possess their precious silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. And again, I think this is dealing more with worship than it is with their own houses and stuff because their precious things, nettles are those weeds with thorns on them. They're no good. They're no good anymore. They're no precious. Thorns shall be in their tents. Tents, I, well, that same word was used at the tents they would build for celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And so we're seeing this loss take place. Now, we experienced a little bit of this when COVID came. And the churches were all shut down. And sometimes you don't realize what you have until you lose it. And so many people, before, before we opened up, there were already people, when we went back to Sunday mornings, and we, before we were recording the worship in the coffee shop, and we were preaching to a camera in a coffee shop, 
One day I said to Pastor Chris, I said, Chris, let's go back to Sundays at least, man. It'll feel like, you know, tired of watching myself in a living room. I hate to hear myself. I hate to watch myself. The camera makes me look 50 pounds heavier, uh, you know. So we started doing live worship once again on Sunday mornings, and we started preaching live just like people were here, and people started coming. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.